Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. You can turn to Matthew chapter 5, and uh, we're starting the first uh, series in the history of our church today. It's called A City on a Hill, the church that can't be hidden. City on a hill. And as we go through this soft launch phase, we're going to look at what it means for us to be salt and light in this part of Toronto. We're going to look at what that actually means. And my hope, my hope is that we'll come away from these messages with a clear understanding of our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ, and that we'll come away also with a clear understanding of the kind of disciples that Jesus calls us to be. And our text today speaks directly to these two things. Jesus is going to tell us who we are. He's going to tell us clearly from the word who we are, and he's also going to tell us the kind of difference we can make in the world. Here's the main thing I want you to sort of take away from today's message. If you remember one thing, this is the thing I want you to remember. Disciples of Jesus Christ make a difference wherever they are. Disciples of Jesus Christ are to make a difference wherever Jesus Christ has them. And this happens when we live out our new identity. Now Jesus is going to warn us of a couple things. And he's going to warn us of a few things because he's going to warn us of of some dangers that we need to avoid because he wants us to live in Christ-honoring ways wherever we are. But if we don't avoid these dangers, it will stop us. And so he's going to give two warnings that are very important. So look at Matthew 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We have two points today. Here's our first one. We are salt, be distinct. We are salt, we are to be distinct. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. Notice that he doesn't say you will be salt. He says you are salt. This is your present reality. This is the way we are to think about ourselves. And right out the gate, we get this important lesson from Jesus and this this thing that we need to remember. Here's one way this passage immediately applies to our life is that we are, the, the best way to live our life is to live it based on who Jesus says we are. 
is to live out all of our days based on who he says we are and be guided by that. That's one of the best ways to make a difference wherever you are, to live by what Jesus says about you and who he says you are. He says we are salt. See, in the ancient world, salt was used primarily as a preservative. They didn't have deep freezers like we do, and so in order to keep food from going bad, they would, they would douse it in salt. In calling his disciples salt, Jesus is saying that we're supposed to have a preserving effect on the world. That we are to have a preserving effect on the world. See, the, the world, the earth, when it was created, was, was created perfect and everything in it. But then we brought sin into the world. And in that moment, everything begun to decay. Our, our presence is supposed to hold back the decay. We are supposed to be a preservative in a world that lacks the beauty of holiness. That's why we can't lose our saltiness. Verse 13, again, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Here's the first warning Jesus gives us. If we lose our saltiness, Jesus says we actually become useless. That we become useless if we are deluded. Notice that the salt is thrown out, it says. That's trampled under people's feet. People walk past it. They walk over it. They ignore it. There's no difference between diluted salt and just gravel. And so we can't lose our saltiness. Now, some real smart people hear that and they think, wait, salt can't lose its saltiness. And that's because we're thinking about salt that we use today. D.A. Carson is really helpful on this. It's going to come up for us. He says this. If it doesn't come up, it's in my Bible, so I'll just read it. But here it is. Strictly speaking, salt cannot lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride is a stable compound. But most salt in the ancient world derived from salt marshes rather than by evaporation of salt water and therefore contained many impurities. The actual salt being more soluble than the impurities could be leached out, leaving a residue so dilute it's of little worth. That's what Jesus does not want to happen to us. He wants us to stay distinct. He does not want us to be diluted. See, a diluted Christian makes no difference in the world. A deluded church makes no difference in the surrounding community that God has put them in. They're ignored. We're deluded when the culture has a stronger influence on us than Jesus does. We're deluded when we long and love the things that the world promotes more than the things that Jesus promotes. See, we can't allow the culture to dilute us. We are to salt the culture. That's what we're called to do and be. Our job shouldn't delude us. With wisdom, we can be salt at our workspaces. Music, books, other forms of art should not dilute us. With wisdom, we can be wise about what we allow to come before our eyes, what we listen to, and what we read. Our lives online shouldn't delude us. With, we can be salt by the way we use Technology, our friends, neighbors, family members, immature Christians even, shouldn't dilute us. We can be salt in their presence. The danger of being diluted is real. That's why Jesus talks about it. And that's why Jesus says in Mark 9.50, he says, Have salt in yourselves. 
Now, if you're like me, you read that, you, aren't you wondering how do you have salt in yourself? Do you get up in the morning the same way you go for your coffee and open the cupboard and just stand there and kind of shake salt into your mouth? Ah! Or pour it over your head? Is that how you have salt in yourself? No. We have salt in ourselves by abiding in Christ. We salt ourselves by daily going to the word of God and hearing again what we are told about who we are and what we're told about Jesus Christ, what we're told about God and all that he is for us and all that we have in the gospel. That is the way we salt ourselves. That's the way we have salt in ourselves. We are to salt ourselves and we are to salt the culture. And we salt the culture by practicing the Beatitudes. That's the way we we salt ourselves by reminding ourselves of the gospel and we salt the culture by practicing the Beatitudes, the things that Jesus, in context here, talks about in verses 3 to 10. We salt the culture by acknowledging our need for God. That's saying, God, I'm weak. I need you every day. That's a way that we can be distinct. We salt the culture by mourning over our sin, not just sort of looking at sin and saying, and keep treating it trivially. We, we actually are broken over our sin when we hurt one another. We mourn over that. We salt the culture by living with meekness towards others, not just sort of going for power and moving people around and using people as pawns, but live with meekness towards the people in our lives, showing mercy to other people, hungering for righteousness. That is the way we salt the culture. These are the things that keep us distinct. These are the things we want to practice. These are the sort of habits we want to form in our lives. Amen. You can talk to me up here, okay? Don't just leave me by myself. I don't want to just yell at the room. Amen. And we do these things, and when we practice these habits, you know what? We show the watching world the way that we are designed to live by God. We salt ourselves, and we salt the culture. Jesus says we are salt. He also says that we are light. Verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Here's point two. We are light. Be visible. Be visible. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Jesus here gives us the title that actually belongs to him. See, in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus takes the title that belongs to him and gives it to us. See, the only way we can actually be salt is because Jesus was, sorry, be light is because Jesus was light to us first. We can only be light because he was light to us first. Jesus shined his light on us by telling us the truth about ourselves. That's the way he shined the light on us. By, he told us the truth about ourselves. He told us the truth about our sin. But here's the great thing about Jesus. He doesn't do that to shame us. See, some people in your life talk to you about the sin and those kind of things going on in your life, but they do it to hurt you. They do it to shame you. They do it to belittle you. They do it to make you feel small and exalt themselves over you. But Jesus never does that. 
Jesus speaks the truth to us, but it's not to shame us. Jesus speaks the truth to us about who we are because he wants us to come to him. Jesus speaks the truth to us. He shines his light on us because he wants us to see how much we need him. And he says, I'm here for you. It's not to shame us, but to show us the way to him. He told us the truth about ourselves, but he also told us the truth, truth about what he would do. Jesus tells us the truth about our sin, but he also tells us the truth about what he would do about our sin. That he came to live a perfect life. That he came to die on the cross in our place. That he would be raised on the third day. Jesus says all of that, and you know what? Then he goes and he does it. Tells us the truth about what he would do about our sin, and then he does it. And when we placed our faith in him, when he placed our faith in Jesus Christ, he took us from darkness to light. He took us out of darkness to light. And if you're here today and you know truthfully you're in darkness, if you're honest with yourself, you're living your life and you're wandering around, but truthfully you feel lost all the time. And there's some days where it feels like light, but then there's most days where it just feels confusing. Then today is the day is to come to the light of Jesus Christ. He is the one who can take you from darkness to light and show you the clear way to live your life. 1 Peter 2 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why is the light of Jesus Christ marvelous? Because in the light of Jesus Christ, you see yourself clearly. In the light of Jesus Christ, you see Jesus clearly. In the light of Jesus Christ, you see the world clearly. That is why it's marvelous. Your eyes are open. That is the light we want to be in. And Jesus is the only one who can do that for us. He brings us to his light. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to shine a bright light. See, this is the reality. We got to get this. We have the spirit in us, which means the things that the Bible talks about, we can actually do. The commands that are there, we can do them. We can shine a bright light because the spirit is at work in us. But now, even though all that is true, it's not easy for us to do it. Even though all those things are true, it's not easy for us to do it. Look at Verse 14 again, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. A city on a hill, just like a city on a hill shouldn't be hidden, the disciples are not to hide their light. No one lights a lamp, it says, and put it under a basket. That speaks to the reality that believers are not to Hide. See, this is the second warning that we're given. Jesus warns us, and that's because he knows that his disciples are tempted to hide. That, that is a real temptation for us. A couple weeks ago, I went out with Kim. And one of our favorite spots is called Emma's Country Kitchen. If you ever want to be lit up at breakfast, this is the spot. I mean, the potatoes are actually real potatoes, right? Not, you know, those like still kind of frozen. They're just kind of burnt a little bit on the edges. I will name the place, but that wouldn't be good. But 
This place is called Emma's Country Kitchen. It's down at St. Clair. And so we're, we're there, and we get there, and I'm feeling good. The day is nice. I'm dressed good. Kim's looking real good. And so we're, we go into the store, and I see, I see the seat I want. Now, the seat I want is in the corner because it's private. And so the guy welcomes us in, and he's a real nice guy and everything like that. And so I'm thinking in my head, I should tell him where I want to sit but that's my control idol. And so I'm like, no, quiet that. Let him lead us. And so he's leading us, and he's leading us to exactly where I don't want to sit. <laughs> and he puts us in between two people. There's a, there's a, a couple ladies right here, and then there's an, another guy, and, and I think his girlfriend, and they're talking everything like that. And it seemed nice enough. And so the, the server comes, and uh, we order, and then as he leaves, I just lean over to Kim. I'm like, hey, when the food comes, we'll just pray. No, we'll just eat. Sorry. And then Kim, now if you know Kim, she doesn't talk very much. But she has lots of looks. And so she gives me this look, and the look says two things. I love you, and you're a chicken. <laughs> and because she knows I don't want to pray. I don't want to pray for the food. That's, why, that's, that's what was going on in me. And I'm thinking, what are they going to think? Are they going to think that we're weird? Are they going to ask us questions and all that sort of stuff? What's going to happen here if we actually we pray? And so I'm like, Let's, we're good. And she just looked at me and just kind of. So see, what was going on is that per, the, the thought of persecution in that moment was tempting me to hide. It was tempting me to hide the thankfulness that was in my heart to God for giving me a beautiful day with my wife and great food. I was tempted to hide. And Jesus knows that about us. See, following Jesus means that we never hide. That we are never to hide. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said this. said, to flee into invisibility is to deny the call. Any community of Jesus which wants to be invisible is no longer a community that follows him. If we want to hide, it means we are not following Christ. See, as a church, we don't want to be invisible in this community. We came here because we want to shine a bright light. We want everybody to know that we are here and that we are shining the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it will take courage. It will take courage to not hide. And because I know it will take courage and because I know it's not easy, I just want to take a moment right now to pray for us on that. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to have the courage to not be invisible, to not hide, but to shine our light because you shined your light on us first. And now you call us to be a faithful witness of you in this city. Thank you for putting us here God, I pray you'd give us the courage to do what you've called us to do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the thought of persecution made me fearful in the restaurant. And again, because persecution is a real possibility for us. When we commit to shining our light, not everyone will love it. That's a true reality. When we commit to do this, not everyone's going to be like, yes, thank you for doing that for me. Because we're going to be shining the light of truth. And when you shine the light of truth, it exposes darkness. And people aren't going to love that when the works of darkness are exposed. But we are to do that. Ephesians 5 says, for at one time you were darkness. That's our, rea 
are past reality, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And sometimes as Christians, we have to admit that we do that. That even now, we sometimes take part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And if we are doing that now, the thing on us is to repent of that and seek God's forgiveness. It says, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. Exposing the works of darkness can bring persecution. But we're not supposed to fear persecution. Look back at verse 11. Jesus says, sorry, my Bible flipped. Here we go. Verse 11, blessed are you. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus says we are not to fear persecution. We are to rejoice in it. He says that when it's happening, we are blessed. That we are not to be filled with fear of it. Now, We shouldn't fear persecution, but here's also what's important. We shouldn't go looking for persecution either. We are not to fear persecution, but we aren't to do things that invites it. As We are not to live in ignorant and insensitive ways towards people who don't believe as we do and invite persecution. And sometimes, again, Christians have to admit this. We do this. That we live in insensitive and ignorant ways towards people, and that brings persecution. But we are not to do those things that invite persecution. We're simply called to shine our light. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The command is clear. It says, in the same way, let your light shine. And then it says, before others, which speaks to the reality that this is supposed to be public, that we are not to hide it. See, we are supposed to strive for personal holiness in our lives. That's what it means to be salt. That's how we salt ourselves. But we are also to strive for a public witness. So Jesus tells us to shine our light, but then he also tells us how to do it. He says, do it by good works. It's right there. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. That's how we shine our light. Daniel Doriani says, good deeds are practical acts of kindness and neighborly love. Practical acts of kindness and neighborly love. And these are the things that Jesus talks about in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, we always want to interpret the Bible in its context. And in context, the good works that are being talked about is the rest of what Jesus says in chapter 5 to 7, in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's a quick snapshot of it for you. We shine our light when we reconcile broken relationships. We shine our light when we fight the temptation to lust. We shine our light when married couples follow what Jesus said about marriage and divorce. Think about that. You shine your light by just staying married. By fighting for your marriage. We shine our light when we keep our word. When we say to somebody, I'm going to do that thing and I'm going to show up at this time, we actually do that. That's shining your light. 
We shine our light when we turn the other cheek, when we're not retaliating against people. We shine our light when we love those who don't love us. We shine our light when we give to the needy. We shine our light when we pray in the way Jesus tells us to pray. We shine our light when we practice fasting. We shine our light when we store up our treasure in heaven, when we don't live like everything here is going to be kept, but we know there's treasure waiting for us, that there's a better life to come. We shine our light. We shine our light when we live anxiety-free lives because we believe God will actually care for us. We shine our light in these ways. Amen. You can clap. That's okay. We shine our light when we leave the judgment of others to God. That's such an important one. When we leave the judgment of others to God, we shine our light when we treat others how we want to be treated. We shine our light when we bear fruit. We shine our light when we live our lives based on the word of Jesus Christ. That's how we shine our light. These are the good works. And if the people of Hope Church, Toronto North, commit to these things, do you know what will happen? Two things will happen. We will live God-honoring, Christ-exalting lives, and we will be a city on a hill, a church that is not hidden. We will be visible if we commit to these types of things and do them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll make the kind of difference Jesus wants for his disciples. Jesus says, shine your light. He tells us how, and then he tells us why. He tells us why to do it. He tells us that we are, to, we are to do it by, how to do it, by good works. And then he tells us why. He says, for the glory of God. We do it for the glory of our Father. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God is our Father. That is how we relate to him now. See, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ by believing the gospel, when that happened, what happened was that we were adopted into the family of God. That we were, again, moved from darkness to light. And we were adopted into the family of God, and then we were given this new heart that wants to do what is honoring to our Father and has the ability to do that. See, if you wake up tomorrow... And you're like, I need some motivation for shining my light. I need motivation. Here's some. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're a child of the king. Think about that. If you need motivation for shining your light, here's some. You are no longer, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are children of the king. If you don't believe it, let me just show you a bit more. First John, just keep blessing me here. What kind of, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, us, that we should be called children of God. And what? So we, a little louder now, so we are, come on people, so we are. See, this is a, a very important word to the person who struggles to believe God has really forgiven them. The person who has a hard time believing that God loves me from the things that I've done, from the life that I've lived, whatever it is. It's such an important word to you that God is your father, that he loves you. See, no good father turns their child away who's truly broken and coming to them for help. And God is a perfect father. If, if you have 
truly believed the gospel and repented of your sin, then you have been welcomed into the family of God and he truly cares for you and he has started his sanctifying work in your life. And here's the thing, that's going on even if you don't always feel it. That's going on even if you don't always see it. He's at work in your life. And so we shine our light for his glory. Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We live for the glory of God because of how faithful God has been to us. This should be the heartbeat of our lives personally, and this should be the heartbeat of our church corporately, living so God gets all the glory. Full disclosure here, The whole reason why we're doing all this, the whole reason we have started this church is for the glory of God. It's not for me. It's not so that Hope Church gets sort of like this big name or anything like that. It's not so that I can be known. If I fade away, that's even better. It's all for the glory of God. That's why we are doing this. And God gets glory when his children are matured in Christ. That's my heart for you. That all of us would mature in Christ. And not only mature in Christ, turn around and make more disciples. That is how God gets glory. And you should pray regularly for me. And regularly for our elders and our ministry team. That, that, this would always be our focus. Here's something that I know because I've been in church work for 10 years. It can easily become about me. And that is not my heart. I don't want this to be about me. I want it to be about the glory of God. And so pray for me, pray for the people that are serving alongside me, that this would always be our heart. Because when we're living for the glory of God and doing things for the glory of God, you know what's happening? We're being like Jesus. We are being like Jesus. In John 17, 4, Jesus says, I've glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me To do, Jesus had a job to do, and he did it perfectly. And now Jesus says, we have a job to do. And he gives us the power to do it because the Spirit is in us. And we are to be salt and light for the glory of our Father. And the more we embrace this reality, and the more we live like this by the power of the Holy Spirit, the more we will become like Jesus Christ, and the more we'll make a difference everywhere that Jesus has us. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, who tells us who we are, tells us how we can shine a light, how we can be salt, how we can make a difference in the world. God, we are so grateful for him because of all that he has done. He glorified you, Lord, he says, having done the work that you gave him to do. And that was the work of rescuing us from our sin by living for us and dying on the cross in our place. And now he calls us to be salt. And so I pray, Lord, you'd help us to strive for personal holiness, to work at that by your spirit's power. And he calls us to be light. And I pray that you would Help us to strive for that again by the Spirit's power, not trying to do things without full dependence on your Holy Spirit. Lord, God, this is my heart for this church, that we would be salt and light in the city of Toronto. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would 
Help us. And I pray that we would leave here today, Lord, with a word so clear in our hearts and such a good understanding, Father, of what you want us to do and that you, Lord, love us and you're going to give us the power to do it and that we are to do it for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.